0: I have been out of the pulpit for three weeks, and uh, that was just obvious. I'm sorry for that bad transition. Hey, grab your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 7, Exodus chapter 7. Got your Bibles open, and if you don't have a Bible with you, we got some people coming around who would love to have you borrow one, because I'd like for you to do with your Bibles open, Exodus chapter 7, grab your Bible, open like this, Uh, everybody... Bible out in front of you, Now I want for you to take and hold it just like this. Hold it like this for a little bit. Hold it like this. Er, Come on, you wimps. Everybody, hold your Bible over your head. Okay, hold it there for a minute. I wish I had a camera. (laughs) Um, But I want to physically remind us, folks, this is Harvest what? Bible Chapel. And we are all about living under the authority of, Of God's word, right? Okay, go ahead and put your Bibles down. God, as we come to you right now this morning, we open your word. These are not nice thoughts. This isn't a philosophy. This isn't cute ideals. This is the word of the living creator, God. And so we pause. In our hearts of song, the words that's been sung already continue, Lord. Thanks for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day, guys. Um, I think I've got you topped. Just want to let you know, uh, I got a call today from our daughter in Mongolia over with Habitat for Humanity. Can't top that, except it was at 1.30 in the morning. Emily. Happy Father's Day. Well, hey, I also want to introduce myself. My name is Doug Helmer, and I'm the pastor here, and usually I'm speaking up here, and a number of you have been here for some weeks and have never seen me or heard me, and maybe that's why you keep coming back, Um, but uh, I just want to say thank all of you for allowing me to have the week. So we had a week. We were down in North Carolina helping our son move into his apartment, new apartment, from off campus and uh, getting ready because the next week after we were in Phoenix uh, where our son was married and delighted to have our new daughter-in-law Kayla part of the family what a wonderful woman who loves the Lord and and then uh, last week Karen and I were up in Wisconsin at a Harvest Senior Pastor and Wives Retreat and just all over the place we're really glad to be home and I just want to say verbally thank you to Jim Patton Pastor Eric and for Christian Barbosa last week who uh Filled in for me over these last three weeks, and it just is a great reminder, folks. It isn't about me. That's where you go, Amen. That's okay. You're not hurting my feelings. Um, I'm just really grateful uh, to be able to be here and to be able to do what we're doing, and have so many who love Christ and uh, are serving, and so it's just wonderful. Ways. Well, as we prepare to get into Exodus chapter seven, I want to remind us that uh, we are on a journey through Exodus. We're in this process here where we're seeing God's hand work. And uh, I am really excited about where we're at right now. I'll tell you why in just a minute. But remember, Exodus chapter 1, the Israelites are in Egypt. They're slaves. They've been there as slaves probably as slaves for really in a slave status for maybe under 300 years. Uh, In Exodus 1, it's about 350 years into uh, the family, uh, Jacob moving over and bringing the family into Egypt. Uh, Exodus 2, God sovereignly births a deliverer, uh, brings him to the face of the earth, even though people don't really know about it much. And then in uh, Exodus 3 and 4, we see this, a man, Moses, meeting with God on Mount Sinai, and then he heads back to Egypt, prepares his family to he- or back to the land of Midian, gets his family, starts heading over to Egypt. God shows up in a way, needs to teach Moses uh, uh, a lesson on the way, and he does, uh, I think, his wife and kids head back as a result. Uh, in Exodus 5, we find Moses and Aaron is before Pharaoh, as God commanded them to do, and they're doing just what God commanded, and things are not turning out very well. Because Pharaoh got honked off. And Pharaoh, in the process, he basically makes it harder for the Israelites. And we find at the end of chapter 5, Moses frustrated and confused. In fact, let's look there. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Now get a load of this attitude and frustration. I, I can understand it. Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since, I became to, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Um, get the idea that Moses is a little frustrated? Can I just say I'm really grateful God did not fry him up um, right at that moment. Um, he's confused, he's frustrated, but folks, many times it is tough living under and there are times when life comes along and it's like i'm doing what you want me to do and i'm frustrated i'm confused like what are you doing and we see that in the psalms taking place many times, that it can be tough living under. And let's ask the question, what is God doing? Can't God just deliver the people? Is God not big enough that God has to just like go and just grab the Israelites and go, boom, and place them in the promised land? Can't God do that? Or is God not in control of things on the earth to where God has to have time so that he can manipulate all the people and work them because God couldn't do it right now? Have you thought about that? Listen, there's a process going on. What is God doing? Well, let's just scan through chapter 6. We're getting to 7. Chapter 6, verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, after he says this, God, what's the deal? I don't even want to be here anymore. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do. That's a huge statement. In fact, let's carry it on. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Well, duh. No, no, no. Hold on. Let's go to verse uh, 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, say what? I am the Lord. Then look on down. Verse 7, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that what? Then let's jump over to verse 28, chapter 6. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Moses, you are going to see that I am the Lord. And in fact, not only are you going to see that I am the Lord, but all the Israelites are going to see that I am the Lord. And in fact, I would say this. I think, as I've been pondering through this, like no other time in history up to this point in time has God ever shown himself like this before. Yeah, but Doug, no, hold with me. Adam and Eve, did God show himself? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, but it was just pretty small, confined realm of people. Okay, what what, what about Noah? <laughs> God showed himself like big time to everybody. But they all died, except for one family. That was unique. Then you carry on, well, Abraham. Yeah, but Abraham, certainly God showed himself and revealed himself. But yet, uh, there he is in this... Um, the process where it's kind of limited, but then with Isaac, still limited. Then with Jacob, still pretty limited. Joseph, getting bigger, but still pretty limited. And now, folks, listen, God is about to reveal himself to millions of people in an extended manner. Tower of Babel, a lot of people, but for a one-time shot with ramifications. God is about to show himself extensively, powerfully, and visibly what he is and who he is. I want to tell you, Exodus is about God revealing himself, revealing his wonder. It's not just about judgment. I got to tell you, I have always thought growing up that it was about the plagues or about judgment on Egypt, and that's part of it. But God's revealing Himself. God is revealing Himself, and therefore a choice must be made. Am I going to place myself under the revealed God for Him to do a work in and through me? The revealed God requires a response. The wonder of God, the revelation of God is what starts the work of God. For you who know Christ as your Savior, there came a point in time where you came to understand the wonder of a great revealed God through the word of God. And that resulted in a work in you when you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it doesn't stop there. Because the work of God then is to result in a wonder of God. An increased wonder of God so that I do more work in me, through me, and for him. And that, a wonder, results in a work which results in a wonder which results in a work which results in a wonder which results in a work which... And it keeps on going. And the question is, is it keeping on going? Grammatically that, I don't think that was correct. But is it? Well, let's jump into chapter 7. Because we are going to see God reveal himself. It's so cool here. Look at this. Genesis, no, Exodus. Let's go to that book. Exodus chapter 6. Let's get a running start from verse 28. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Here's Moses one more time. God, I'm not your man. And God so graciously, once again, talks to him. Listen, chapter 7. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Whoa, dude. Well, what's he talking about here? This term here for like God to Pharaoh, it's not saying that Pharaoh looks at Moses and goes, You are a god. God. The terminology that's used here is explaining that Moses is being used as a representative of God. He is being seen as one bringing forth authority of a God, of God, and the words of that God, okay? So that's what's taking place here. It's not that he is being viewed as God, but he is the representative of God. And who made him that way? God did. How encouraging is that, friends? Uh, We've seen Moses ever since chapter 3. Now me, I'm just a normal guy. I can't really talk that well. I mean, I'm ugly. You know, whatever it might be. And yet God comes along and it's like, listen, it's not about you. It's about me. God is the one who is behind this endeavor. And notice the very first word of what God says here. See? I think this is I'd love to camp on this, but I'm not, I can't for the sake of time. But God says to Moses, "See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh." Now what that's talking about is Moses pause just for a moment and reflect upon the fact of what's happened. Listen, I understand that right in the moment you are overwhelmed, you're frustrated, you're wondering what's going on, and I understand that, but pause and go back, rewind, and take a look what I've done. I've saved you from birth. I brought you up in Egypt. I kicked you, got you kicked out, if you will, got a sovereign, out in this desert no-man land. I showed up in a bush. I called you. I sent you to Pharaoh. I've done this. You've done these things. You've seen me work much Moses, don't forget what I've done for you. And I just want to say, this is a moment in time to pause and just go, friends, remember, see what God has done in your life. And it's also an appropriate moment to ask the question if you say, okay, let me see what God has done in your life. And honestly, the bank account is pretty empty. I just want to say, listen, do you know him? And are you living for him? Because God wants to do his wonderful work in you. And when that is bankrupt, lifeless living comes out of the reality of minimal wonder of God and minimal work of God. But as the wonder of God increases, the work of God increases, which builds the wonder of God, which builds the work of God, which, see? Okay? Well, I haven't been doing this for a while. I'm jazzed. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. He will be your voice. Verse 2. You shall speak all that I command you. He's just giving it... Moses, hang on, just speak what I command you and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of, this land, out of his land. Verse three, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now we talked about that a little bit before. We're gonna talk about it again, but I wanna tell you this is a combination of it started with Pharaoh's heart was hard anyway and God is using Pharaoh's hardened heart and he's multiplying the hardness of his heart. And Pharaoh is fully accountable for his choice before God. But God is hardening his heart. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. We'll talk about more of that as weeks go on. And though I multiply, look at this, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, God's self-revelation, verse four, even though I do all that, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts. The word for hosts is talking about this idea of God's attendance in an army warrior kind of way. Isn't that cool? then I will bring my army warrior studs and studettes. (laughs) Something like that. I will bring my hosts. I will bring my people, referring to the fact of God's citizens, his sons and daughters, my army and my sons and daughters, the children of Israel, the descendants of Jacob. I will bring them, those people, out of the land of Egypt by great acts. God revealing himself and also great acts of judgment verse 5 and the egyptian shall know that what I am the Lord. hey listen friends the Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming back someday and all will be judged. And listen, I just want to tell you, it could be any time and God could do that all on his own. He doesn't have to wait for us. But why is he waiting? Because he's waiting to reveal himself more and more to people until the time comes when he comes. And here, I just want to say with this, it's the kind of thing where, listen, God is not just about moving the timeline of events towards like, I got to get people from here over to here and let's see, man, I'm confused and this is going to take quite a bit of work on my part as God. and it's going to be, uh, no, God is like this, listen, my people over here, they are going to be over here, and by the way, the big part of the whole plan of the process is not me just fulfilling that act, but it's the fact that my glory is going to be shown big, and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that I am the Lord. All of Egypt will know. All of the Israelites will know. Moses and Aaron will know. Everybody will know. It's not just about getting from here to there. It's about getting from here to there and God revealing himself in massive ways and it's about Satan and this heavenly host of evil being able to see God work that to that as well. big God. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hands against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Love this verse 6. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Don't forget that statement because it's going to have a theme role here. Verse 7. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. norm, Marilyn, God's just beginning. Hey, listen, in our culture, we often, <laughs> in our culture, we oftentimes look and see, that's the time when I get to kick back and be about me. Let me tell you, these two boys were sprinting across the finish line. And let's do the same. Verse 8, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle. I like this. This was a wise thing on his part. This is, understand this, Egyptians, the most polytheistic people in ancient world that we know of. Gods, 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 gods everywhere. There were just gods everywhere. And in all of this, there was no underlying common belief system. So the fact of Pharaoh asking for a proving of who he was was the kind of thing that was wise on his part. Listen, you say you're of God. I've heard many people say they're of God. Show me. Prove it. By the way, um, I am going to read this. uh, Ezekiel, I'll I'll just turn to it here. I've got it. Ezekiel chapter 6. Listen to this. Because this also tells you about the Israelites. Because you think the Israelites are all over here worshiping Yahweh like crazy? Not. Verse 6, chapter 20 of Ezekiel. On the day I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. And I said to them, Cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you. Do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Verse eight, but they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them and bring them out of the land of Egypt. Listen, this was not just about revealing God himself to the Egyptians. This was about God revealing himself to everybody, including his own people and in a polytheistic world they had bought in we're getting there more and more in our culture Pharaoh says do you prove yourselves by the working of a miracle then you shall say to Aaron take your staff cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent verse 10 look at this so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and what they did just as one more time God says God has a talking to him, and he replies in here, and the word of God tells us that they did just as he commanded. And listen, how are we going to function under the authority of God? Are we going to live under, or are we going to live out from under? And God is clearly letting us know that Moses and Aaron were willing, even in their confusion and frustration, to live under. Hmm. Verse 10, Aaron cast down the staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Woe, Whoa. Whoa. There's four views on what happened here. Uh, some of them come from the Hebrew wording that takes places, and these aren't heretical views or liberal theology views necessarily, but... Uh, uh, there's four views on what actually happened here with the magicians. What did they do? What someone says is that it's an optical illusion because the Hebrew word enchanted is kind of in the text here. They enchanted the people by acting upon their imagination. So they didn't come in with these staffs like um, Aaron had a staff. Uh, they didn't come in with a staff, toss it down, and uh, it turned into a snake. It was actually a stick here and a stick there, but it just got enchanted in some ways, an optical illusion. They had mirrors. <laughs> Another is sleight of hand Trickery, the substitute of the staff for the snake You know, where it's like, stick, snake, stick, snake You know, I, I don't know how they did that But sleight of hand Another is snake's charm to appear as dead As a staff I love this one Literally, it's viewed that apparently some have done it To where they take a snake They charm it to where it's stiff Like this And so this isn't a stick This is actually a charm snake Wake up! And then it woke I mean, kind of cool to do, but I'm for the fourth one. The magicians actually performed the supernatural act. They brought in a stick and boom, snake. And I think because as we see the text roll on as to why. But I just want to say one thing, one moment here real quick. Be careful what you get yourself involved with because there are very powerful sources out there. And here in America, we just don't get that. You go to South America, Africa, and some other countries, and I want to tell you, there's some spooky stuff out there. Satan is an angel of light looking to devour. And they also did the same with their secret arts. Verse 12, For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Game on. My God is bigger than your God. Isn't that cool? I mean, can you imagine the process of watching this happen? I don't know whether they are two or are three, ten, and there's the one, and... And you just wonder what that snake did then, going... I don't know <laughs> kind of a thing, but I just want to tell you what he's sitting there, and you would think, under seeing the revealed power of, if you will, in Pharaoh's saying, This God at this moment, okay, polytheistic world in the reality of his worldview, his paradigm, where he's at, he's seeing, yes, there's some divine authority power going on here. How's he going to respond? Verse 13, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said, and frankly, I really do understand why. I'll hit that just a little bit more here in just a minute. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. By the way, do you notice the contrast? Again and again in this chapter, we've seen earlier up in uh, verse 3, Harden Pharaoh's heart. Then in 4, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Um, Coming on down, verse 13, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Then verse 14, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And also up in verse 6, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. And then in verse 10, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. I think the text is helping us to see God is revealing himself in the process of revealing himself. And we have the opportunity to see what it's like for someone who is willing to reside under that self-revealed authority that's there. Or someone who wants to remain outside of that. Revealed authority that's being shown before them. 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him. Take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. I, can I just? I, I hope I'm not taking this out of uh, flow here, but I think it's really cool. How God reminds in this thing, don't just take your staff. But Moses, take your staff, the staff that was turned into a serpent. The power and the presence of God. Moses, I'm just reminding you, take the power and the presence of God with you. It's not hocus pocus, it's me. Verse 16, and you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go. That they may be with me in the wilderness. So far, you have not obeyed. So far, you have not submitted. So far, you have not been willing to place yourself under this authority being revealed. Verse 12, thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that what? God wants Pharaoh to know that he is the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. Uh, Two things, just how cool is that, that, you know, if you've seen the movie, they actually did a pretty cool job of that, but, you know, they come up, touches the water, and it turns to blood. By the way, why not motor oil, or why not Coke, or why not mayonnaise, or something like that? Really? Why blood? Hmm. there's a theme going through the scriptures. God is just so cool in how he brings the reality of the Redeemer and the need for blood sacrifice. And it shall turn into blood. Verse 18, the fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. Verse 19, and the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. God revealing a very omniscient, omnipotent, extensive, detailed, in all through everything kind of a God. Verse 20, read it with me. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. I have the English Standard Version, so did as the Lord commanded. Third time. Third time in this chapter that's being stated there. Didn't have to be stated. I mean, we know they're doing it, but the text is stating it three times in the chapter. Again, I think to show a contrast of what's going on between Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh. And then here we go. Moses and Aaron did uh, as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the Nile. By the way, in the sight of them all. And all the water in the Nile turned to blood, 21. And the fish in the Nile died and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Verse 22, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. Uh, Let me step back one thing. I bypassed. Uh, Let me talk about the Nile. Of all the the, the plagues that's starting here, God goes right to the Nile. Why the Nile? Well, the Nile was the center of everything for Egypt. It was their transportation, it was their agriculture, food, it was their drinking water, it was everything that was going on. And you take away the Nile, you take out their stock exchange. You take away the Nile and you take out their water supply. You take out the Nile and you take out all the grocery stores. God knew right where to go. In fact, we've got, uh, uh, bring this next slide up. Here's a hymn back in those days sung about the Nile. Hail thee, O Nile, that issues from the earth and comes to keep Egypt alive. He, the Nile, that waters the meadows which recreated in order to keep every kid alive. He that makes to drink the desert and the place distant from water, that is his due come down from heaven. Go to the next one, another hymn. This is hymn number 629. (laughs) Okay, if he is sluggish, the nostrils are stopped up and everybody is poor. You see how they view the Nile? If there be a cutting down in the food offerings to the gods, then a million men perish among the mortals. Covetousness is practice. The entire land is in a fury and great and smaller on the execution block. But people are different when he approaches. Canum, the main god of the Nile, constructed him. When he rises, the land is in jubilation. Then every belly is in joy. Every backbone on laughter and every tooth is exposed. am not quite sure what the tooth is exposed thing is. But can't you just say this, every backbone on laughter. (laughs) I don't know if that's what they were talking about, but that's what I'm thinking. And this thing just represents, oh, the Nile. and God comes and takes the Nile out, first shot, game on. God is revealing himself strategically. Verse 22, the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. They did the same. Serious, dude, think of this. They did the same. I mean, I can like kind of go with the snake thing. I don't, you know, okay, there's, there's power out there. But they turned water to blood. Was it just looked like? I don't know. But it was enough. There, they were convinced that they could do it. And here's why. Then look at the next following. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not even take this to heart. And let me tell you, I get why. Because of this, you live in a polytheistic world where there's gods everywhere. You talk about God, fine, fine. God this, God that. Wow, 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 wow. Now show me your God. Okay, poof. Show me your God. You know what? You showed me your God. They showed me their God. I'm not that impressed. Then you come down to the Nile. Boom, blood. Ooh, that would set me back a little bit. But then they come and do the same thing. And Pharaoh, in his worldview at that point in time, is looking around, I'm not that impressed. God, Shmod. And he turns around. I live in a world where there's all kinds of gods around, and why should I listen to you? You're slaves. Go back to work. You're irritating me. The game's on. <laughs> Verse 24, And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. For seven full days past after the Lord had struck the Nile. God has revealed himself. We're seeing in this text that God is in the process of revealing himself. But I just want for us to know, folks, God has revealed himself. We are so blessed. We are at a place and time where we have the word of God to show us who and what God is. Do you want to know God? (laughs) Yeah, read the book and let the wonder of god show we're in the coming weeks we're going to be going through these plagues i right now i don't know how many weeks it's going to take us but here's the deal we're just going to go through these and we're going to like hopefully like them just let the wonder of god show because god has revealed himself and he is cool and he is great and he is mighty and he's for real And I ask this question, how big is your God? How big? Because as we travel through Exodus, these folks had a problem to see a big God. These folks had a problem of seeing God as big as he really is, and folks, so do you and I. I do. Oh, my word, sometimes I really think God is like this big in my life. And he's huge. And this is about experiencing what God has done so that the wonder of God is just like we're just bedazzled by the wonder of God. All the way to the point to where the wonder of God, the revealing of him, means that I have a choice to make. I cannot take in this God and just turn around and walk away. But yeah, you can actually. But it's about living under and God wants to bring us under, living under his authority, living in submission to him. And this is marvelous. But I can't do that. But oh goodness sakes, it's for our protection and for his glory. And yet we struggle with this. Or maybe with this. You know, or true? And I just want to say. If there's never been a time where you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now you're living like this. You're living out from under. Or if you know Christ as your Savior, and the truth of the matter is you just look back at your life and just go, man, I'm I'm not living under. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. What a great example for us. It's not about worshiping them, but Moses and Aaron did what the Lord commanded because they saw the wonder and the works of God in their life. God has revealed the wonder of Himself. Therefore, I have a choice to make. Am I going to live like Pharaoh? Or am I going to live more like Moses and Aaron? And just, even in the confusion, even in the frustration, God, you are God and I am not. And I submit myself to you. If you're not living under the wonder and the work of God, I would just say, humble yourselves. Place yourself in the best place you could ever ever, ever be under the hand and the work of our Creator God. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much just for you revealing yourself. I want to thank you that you tell us about how you've revealed yourself. I want to thank you for the reality of the scene of your work Lord, in closing here, I just want to take a moment and see together. Father, I just look and I'm reminded of how we've been seeing you here work in this church. Church of a group of people, small group of people, and you're just blessing immensely. God, it's not because of us. It's because of you. And so we acknowledge the wonder and the work of you. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in the lives of some specific individuals right now I'm thinking of at this moment. Individuals who have seen great changes in their lives, place themselves under you, back under you. And Lord, we see that, acknowledge that, and we just wonder you. Oh my word, you are so wonderful. Lord, frankly, I just see what's going on in the world today. And I am so glad you are the one in charge. You are bringing all things to your ends. That's reassuring, but it's also nice to know you are doing it in such a way that your glory is shown pronouncedly so. Lord, I thank you for my family. Just how you've worked in my family alone. Uh, thank you for that. Lord, thank you just for the blessing of Nick and Eric. for others here who are serving in capacities of love for you and for people. Lord, we see the wonder. We see the work. And it motivates us for more wonder and for more work for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.